Pastini is Eugene's new Italian bistro at Oakway Center, dedicated to serving up two of life's greatest pleasures, pasta and wine. Join them for classic favorites like spaghetti and meatballs, linguine with clams and sausage, and fettuccine Alfredo paired with hand-selected Pacific Northwest and Italian wines. Pastini. Eat pasta. Drink wine. Welcome to the Duck Pod. From the Register Guard Newsroom, here's Ryan Thorburn and Austin Meek. All right, Austin, we're back. Uh, we logged some quality time at Squatters in Salt Lake City last weekend. The Ducks fall to Utah 32-25, despite Utah losing their starting quarterback and running back the week before. Uh I would have to say Arizona is the most disappointing result of the year, the way that the Ducks performed. They did battle back against Utah, but definitely uh, an opportunity missed for Oregon to reestablish their road presence, which isn't much of a presence in the first half of these games. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we've Boy, we've heard a lot about Oregon's injuries the last week. Um, that's new. You, did, <laughs> you sure didn't, uh, in years past, hear Oregon coaches talking about uh, how many players they have injured at this time of year. And I have to admit that rings a little bit hollow for me when they just played a team that lost its starting quarterback and starting running back. And Utah didn't really have any trouble uh, moving up and down the field on Oregon's defense. It's quite a... A sharp contrast to what happened to the Ducks offense last year when Justin Herbert went down. So I agree. That was a very disappointing outcome for Oregon. Uh, and it, you know, it sets them up now where it's hard to really know what you're going to get these last two games. I mean, I, I looking at this schedule all year long, I thought, well, they've got a, a brutal stretch there where they play three out of four on the road. But if they come out of that in good shape, then finishing with Arizona State at home and the Beavers in Corvallis sets them up for a uh, potentially a strong finish if they can survive the, that road stretch. But I, I'm not sure that they came out of that feeling very good about themselves. Yeah, first of all, I, I do appreciate, and I think it's the right thing to do, that when you have an injury, just say, yeah, we have an injury. We're going to have to move on to the next guy or whatever instead of the old... Yeah cat and mouse yeah, game that sure. Helfrich used to play which got him into some trouble with certain players where he said they were you know I don't know circumstances circumstances and all that crap so I appreciate that and you know it's easier to, to keep track of who's in who's out the notes all that stuff but at the same time you're right Justin Herbert is healthy enough to play Dylan Mitchell's healthy enough to play. Uh, everybody on defense except that inside linebacker spot that is cursed, or <laughs> they're down to their fourth string, is pretty much healthy and good to go. Um, it is tough when your left tackle position and, and when your linebacker spots are so cursed. But overall, you know, I think every football team is dealing with injuries. And, and to your point, I think it's not an excuse to be six and four and just non-competitive on the road in the first halves of these games um at the same time i'd have to go back and listen to the tape i think i predicted that they'd be about eight and four and they still have a chance to get there it's just kind of a strange way they they will have gotten there if they do it compared to what you think at the beginning of the season 
Yeah, I got to remind myself of that too. Is I picked them to go nine and three, and they had a chance to get there until last week. They could still get to nine wins if they win a bowl game. And I don't think anybody realistically would say that that that's a bad first season at all for Mario Cristobal. Uh, but we have been <laughs> gradually uh, moving the goalposts every week. You know, last week is like, hey, they can still get to ten wins. Oh no, they can't do that anymore. And I think part of what is frustrating uh, for fans is just it's it's partly about how many games they win this year, and it's partly about just getting to know okay what what's this team going to look like under Mario Cristobal. And coming off that Washington game, man, everybody was loving it, including me. I mean, I you know go back and read what I wrote after that game. It was all about Mario Cristobal's DNA on this program and the identity and all that all that good stuff. Uh, but that has, has gone uh, MIA now in the last month when they've had to go on the road. And a lot of fans, I think, are, are getting frustrated with the lack of creativity on offense, the fact that it seems like Oregon has gone into these last few games with basically the same plan, and it hasn't worked. And the only time they've really been able to do anything on offense is after they've fallen behind and they've, they've had to throw it down the field. And that puts a lot of scrutiny on Marcus Arroyo, the offensive coordinator. Uh, that was one of the question marks for me coming into this season is how would Marcus Arroyo do as the play caller? And I'd say it's still as big a question now as it was then. Expectations are an amazing thing. You have this Saturday night at Autzen, two first-year Pac-12 head coaches who have six and four overall records and are on opposite ends of – Uh, the happiness meter from their own fan bases right now. Herm Edwards uh, nationally mocked when he was hired from uh, ESPN after 10 years of not coaching at all and not coaching in college since 1989. They were picked last, I believe, in the South Division. Now if they beat Oregon and Arizona, they will be South Division champions. Oregon was not picked to win the North, but certainly with Herbert returning, uh, Jim Levitt returning, there were... Uh, kind of a dark horse sense that they could be, you know, maybe the Pac-12's dark horse candidate, which Washington State has emerged to be. Um, what do you make of this this coaching matchup and just the perception of it? Yeah, it's pretty fascinating, and we're going to talk to uh, Doug Haller of the Athletic in a little bit about uh, about the whole Herm Edwards experiment and how it's gone. But yeah, as, as somebody who grew up in Kansas City area and watched a lot of Chiefs football and watched a lot of bad Chiefs football when Herm was the coach there, you know, I, I certainly uh, I certainly got my jokes in when Arizona State made that hire. But I also, you know, I, I have to say that I'm a I'm a Herm Edwards fan. I you know I. I I really respect what he stands for. I think there are uh, much worse people to put in a, a position of authority in a college football program than Herm Edwards. I think he's, um, I think he's got a lot of integrity, and I, I like the way he handles himself. And you know, he's starting to make a believer out of uh, out of some people uh, with what he's done this year. You know, I, you've always got to be, you've always got to be cautious uh, about getting too caught up in the moment. I've reminded myself of that many times just in the course of this year you know whether it was Oregon coming off that Washington game or Oregon coming off these these last three losses on the road you know we're still very much in the early stages of figuring out what the Ducks are going to be under Mario Cristobal and that's true of Arizona State as well you know a lot of people wrote them off earlier this season now 
A lot of people talking about could they win the Pac-12 South. They still got to win two road games in November, which is a hard thing to do in any league. So certainly no uh, no conclusions yet about what Herm Edwards is going to do there, but an encouraging first season for sure. All right, well, let's go ahead and get the view from Tempe and dial out to Doug Holler from The Athletic. Okay, as promised, we're joined by Doug Haller of The Athletic. He covers Arizona State, uh, the Sun Devils obviously coming to town to play the Ducks on Saturday night. Doug, uh, how are you doing? And I guess my first question is, how has the Herm Edwards experiment been for you to cover so far? Um, well, hello. It's been, it's been pretty cool. Um, you know, when he was first hired, everyone around here was pretty much shocked. Um, they weren't real happy with it, mostly because they thought the athletic director, Ray Anderson, just kind of, you know, he fired a very popular coach in Todd Graham and brought in one of his old buddies. Uh, Ray used to represent Herm when Herm was a an NFL head coach. Ray was his agent. So, you know, that, that just didn't smell right. didn't pass the sniff test with a lot of fan base. But, you know, I did a profile on Herm, obviously, when he first when he first got the job, and you know, journalistically, you're supposed to balance these things out. Um, I, a lot of people I could find very easily talk very highly of Herm, so you know, I wanted to find somebody who you know kind of questioned his coaching a little bit. I, you know, he had to, it didn't go well at the end of his time with the Jets. It didn't go well at all in Kansas City, but I could not find anybody that would say a negative word or question anything about Herm Edwards. You know. The, the Kansas City years were a disaster. And, you know, I called to, you know, a sports talk radio guy who's been there for a long time. They love him there. <laughs> He's still on the radio every week in Kansas City uh, to this day. So, I mean, that that's kind of what you get with him. He's just a very approachable. He has no ego. Um, he's just as genuine of a, of a guy that you will find in sports at this level. So it's been really nice to cover him as far as that goes. And, of course, you know, as far as working with the media, he's been excellent. You know, he's he's been through it. He knows what he knows what we want. Uh, so press conferences every day, he's very patient. He just waits and you know, never in a hurry, answers everything we have. And you know, it's helped that he's won in, in the first year and kind of uh, you know uh, surpassed expectations. That'll that's good for any coach. So I think a lot of I think he's he's really turned a lot of people's uh, heads, changed some opinions about the hire, and you know, they put themselves in a good position. You know, it's funny to hear you talking about going back to the Kansas City years and talking to people there. I I grew up in that area and was a Chiefs fan as a kid. <laughs> I remember Herm's teams very well. I remember Herm very well. Uh, and, I, you know, I felt the same way. As a coach, I loved the guy. Um, you know, I loved what he stood for. Uh, I loved the way he conducted himself. I didn't love uh, always the results on the field, especially offensively. You know, there were some there were some rough years in there where, <laughs> where they just could not move the ball at all. And that was probably my biggest question about Herm when he when he got the job is in a league like the Pac-12 where offense is so paramount, would he be able to put together an offense uh, that that could make Arizona State relevant in the Pac-12? And it seems like he's done that. Um, certainly helps to inherit a receiver like Nikhil Harry and a quarterback like Manny Wilkins, but what has uh, what has Herm done with, with this offense and with this team to put Arizona State in a position to potentially win the Pac-12 South now? Well, it's been interesting because when they were picked to finish last in the South at Pac-12 Media Day, a lot of, uh, of the writers who cover the team, a lot of people who are around the team thought, well, they're not going to finish last because, you know, just for what you said, they have a three-year starting quarterback in Manny Wilkins. They have... 
um, a potentially all-American type receiver in Akil Harry, they're going to be able to score points. So we, we were kind of under the impression that the offense would have to carry this team until the defense, which had been a disaster under Todd Graham, kind of figured it out. And to start the season was actually the opposite. <laughs> you know, the offense took some time to figure out. And the defense, which has started three true freshmen for most of the year, kind of kept things close. I mean, they you weren't giving up more than, I don't know, 24 points a game for most of the year. Uh, just kind of waiting for the offense to figure it out. And there was a little bit of, uh, you know, their offensive coordinator, Rob Likens, he has kind of an air raid background. And Herm came in, and, you know, as a head coach, he let Rob kind of set things up run the offense as he, as he wanted. Uh, they didn't, they weren't pass happy, you know, the first couple games, but <clears throat> they definitely threw the ball a lot. Um, and then it was after the San Diego State loss in week three where Herm kind of stepped in and said, hey, look, we need to be a run-first team. We need to uh, change up our blocking scheme up front. We need to put the ball in, you know, Benjamin's hands, who's a sophomore, really in his first year of, of really being kind of the, the main guy. And we're gonna we're gonna do it this way, and it, it took them three or four weeks to kind of figure it out how to run the ball, how to establish you know Benjamin, and yet how to get the kill Harry involved. And really, it kind of cost them. I mean, in a couple games, that they were really you know the Colorado game was one where they were right there, and they just couldn't find a way to get to do both. Now they figure that out, and you know they're, offensively they're probably playing their best that they've played all year. Uh, because Nikhil Harry is a difference maker, and you have to give him a chance to make a difference, and, and that's kind of what they've done. They still are giving, you know, you know, Benjamin is carrying as much as any back in the country for the most part. He, you know, depending on which stat you use, total yards or yards per game, he's third or fourth in the country in rushing yards. But Nikhil Harry is definitely getting more opportunities, and, and finding that balance has been really big for them. Yeah, you know, Benjamin leads the Pac-12 in rushing. Uh, Oregon has struggled down the stretch here against uh, UCLA's running attack, Utah's backup running back. Uh, I guess, do you see a scenario where you know they can come in here and maybe push the Ducks around a little bit and escape with uh, a victory at Autzen on senior night? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, in the Pac-12 this year, I mean, it's it's silly to write off anything completely. There are some hurdles for Arizona State. Um, you know, they've lost, I think, their last four trips to to Eugene. Um, they typically don't play well uh, in November in that area of the country. Um, it's going to be cold. <laughs> you know, they haven't always performed well uh, when it's when it's cold. They haven't really played well on the road this year, even though they did beat USC. But USC started their third string quarterback. There's a lot of things that they have to kind of get past. Uh, you mentioned the running game. The, the offensive line was the big thing that no one really saw coming. Um, you know they were they weren't great last year. They ran the ball with yeah at times pretty well, but you know not consistently. Their pass protection was was awful. You know they ranked among the worst teams in the country at and uh, sacks allowed per game. So they they brought in a couple of grad transfers. One was from Stanford, Casey Tucker, uh, and that kind of helped them. But really, just from game one to where they are now, it's just been an incredible improvement. So that that's been big. And then you know Eno is very gifted. You know, we saw it last year when he was a true freshman during the preseason. Uh, he just has incredible vision, and he has a he just finds a way to make people miss. Um, but I don't think. Well, I know no one expected this. Uh, he's 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 very talented. Um, you know, he's just one of those guys that can turn. You know, you think you have him 
stop for three yards, and all of a sudden he breaks to the outside and stretches it for 12 for 15. So I think they will be able to run the ball. Um, to what extent, I don't know, like I said, with all those other factors. But they, they're, it doesn't matter if they're going to be able to do it well or not. They're going to try, and he's going to get 20-plus carries because um, that's, that's the way Herm wants to do it, and that's, what they, that's where they've had success recently. I don't think anybody uh, would have expected Arizona State to be in the driver's seat of the Pac-12 South at this point in the season. Like you said, they were picked last in the in the division uh, in in the preseason. How are people at Arizona State sort of processing that now? Are you know are people talking about the Rose Bowl? Uh, are people talking about the Pac-12 title game, or is there a sense of well, we got two more road games to play here. Let's uh, let's let's be kind of careful with this. They are talking about the Rose Bowl. Um, you know how fans get. The team's not, but the, you know that's kind of the discussion around the, um, you know, on social media. And, you know, you talk to fans here and there. They're, yeah, they're talking about Rose Bowl, which is re- extremely premature. <laughs> um, you know, I would even say, even though they do control their destiny, I wouldn't even I wouldn't call them the favorite because you know two road games and they haven't played well on the road. You know, after Oregon, they have to go to. Uh, Tucson to play Arizona uh, down in uh, or it, the, the following week, so that's not going to be easy. The really interesting thing is after they lost, I guess it was three or four weeks now, weeks ago now, it was on a Thursday night. You know that was a game they they should have won. You know they had the ball, they were driving down the field at the end of the game, and they just couldn't get it. They couldn't get it going. Manny Wilkins made a couple mistakes and time ran out on them. At that point. Everybody was bailing on them. No one really thought they were going to win another game. Be bowl eligible uh, because things had just kind of gone south, you know. And then things just turned around. It just so happened that they caught USC at a good time, and then Utah came in here and they really kind of beat up Utah, which people don't beat up Utah much. So that's when things really started to turn uh, among the fan base. You know, after the Utah game, and you know, you mentioned control your own destiny, and people get really excited about that. They, they still have a long ways to go, and, and they're beat up on defense right now. Everybody's beat up, but you know they're in a situation where they're going <laughs> to have to rely on a lot of people who have not or who are not used to playing in games like this. So we'll we'll see. They've put themselves in great positions. They've done a great job of doing so. Um, they've exceeded expectations across the board. So you know they're bowl eligible now, but uh, we'll see. There's still a lot of lot of unknowns left. I think in these next two weeks. Back uh, before the season when the national media was kind of piling on the the Herm Edwards hiring, I remember uh, one of the things they they thought was going to be a disaster was the fact that he, I think he said in an interview or something, that he didn't realize how much work you had to put into recruiting. Um, You know, and obviously in the NFL, you get to just pick your players. Um, But I think with his personality, he should be able to recruit just about anyone. How do you see kind of the the long-term Herm uh, Edwards' future at Arizona State in terms of you know building a program, bringing in his own guys. Yeah, that's a good question. He he did um, he did make some national headlines with, with some of the things he said about uh, recruiting and how much time it takes. And you know, not only are you building for this class, but you're looking at you know <laughs> the class, the next year's class, and the next year's class. And, you know, and, and all those things are just common knowledge for for you know college football fans. He's well. The first when they first took over, I mean, they, you know how it is during coaching changes. Uh, the recruiting class, Todd, the one that Todd Graham put together, pretty much bottomed out. Um, they lost some commitments, obviously, but they didn't gain any. You know, they were they were pretty much dead last in the recruiting rankings for that class. And 
they really kind of rallied, and they brought in Merlin Robinson, which is a linebacker, uh, a true freshman who started all year. He'll have to stay out the first half of Saturday's game because of the targeting penalty. That's, that's a huge loss for Arizona State. But they kind of rallied and got to that fifth or sixth range within the Pac-12, and that kind of opened some people's eyes um, that they were able to finish so strongly. And some of it's, hard, some of it's his, his linebackers coach, Antonio Pierce, um, is a guy who played in the NFL. He coached at Long Beach Poly in California. He knows a lot of kids in Southern California. That's always been kind of a, a spot where Arizona State has struggled. And they've kind of turned that around. And then, you know, when you have a guy like Herm who can kind of close the deal in the living room, he's going to connect, uh, especially with, with parents, because he's just, he's just that guy. Um, so it, it, I think it's going to go, you know, they're, they're lining themselves up uh, pretty well. Maybe not this next class, but uh, the one after that starting maybe in 20, what would it be, 2021, I think they're really starting, they would maybe make their stride there. But, you know, getting into California has been huge because that was another mark on Todd Graham. The previous class with him, I almost fell down there. The previous class for him, they didn't bring anybody from California. That's something the Arizona State just can't uh, survive. They, you know, they have to have a presence there, and that's something that they've established very quickly under her. Doug, thanks for taking time to join us. Uh, Arizona State's been one of the best stories of the Pac-12 this year, and as you say, there's a lot left to, uh, to be determined, but we'll see where it goes from here. Thanks, thanks again for stopping by the podcast. No problem. All right, Austin. So uh, what do you think of Doug's take on, on the Sun Devils, and how do you kind of see this game playing out on Saturday night? It'll be senior night. Oregon only has 13 seniors, but a lot of them are, are prominent names in this program. And, uh, you know, as I wrote about today, there's a decision to be made with the quarterback as well and maybe a couple other guys yeah. that are juniors. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, I went back and looked at our, our weekly football picks that we do in the paper over the last month, and boy, we've been, we just keep picking the ducks, and we just keep getting killed. I, I'll give you credit, because you're the, the person on the staff who is most willing to pick against the ducks, and it, it has uh, paid off for you the last month. Um, so I, I am not going to pick them this week. I The last four games... I've thought, well, they probably ought to win this game, and I've been wrong three times. And I know they're a different team at home, and they're a slight favorite uh, in this game. I'm just not sure how, A, Oregon stops Eno Benjamin on the ground because they haven't stopped a running back in weeks. Uh, I'm not sure how they stop Nikhil Harry because their defensive backs are a little undersized, and you've got one of the biggest, most physical receivers in the Pac-12 who kind of ate Oregon alive the last time they played, so I'm not sure how they do that. So I'm going to pick Arizona State. Uh, I think it's a close game. I think it's probably a you know your classic 7.30 Pac-12 after dark game, but I'm, I'm going to pick Arizona State. Yeah, certainly Arizona State is playing much better, and, and Manny Wilkins is he's getting some respect, but I think he's still an underrated guy. Um, really a, a good guy to root for, a good Pac-12 quarterback. Uh, he has a great story if you want to google it on on you know how he's developed as a person there and kind of came from a tough background and that sort of thing so arizona state's got a lot going on right now i'm gonna pick them in the paper but again that's mostly because i'm trying to play catch up (laughs) um i would lean towards oregon in reality because of the home 
field advantage, and they're just a different team at home. Uh, they do have Justin Herbert, as we keep mentioning. Um, what do you think Herbert's going to do after the season? I have felt throughout the season that there was a slight lean toward him coming back. Um, I don't think a lot has changed. If anything, the fact that Oregon has struggled the last few weeks and, and Justin Herbert has has had his ups and downs too. I, I don't think that uh, he's necessarily hurt his stock in the last month. I think you know, every week we see the list of people who are there. It's NFL GMs. It's John Elway. It's the scouts. That, you know, they're all still watching him. And yeah. when you watch him play, you can see the tools that are going to make him a first-round draft pick and probably a top-10 pick. It's all still there. But he hasn't set the world on fire the last month. And so my slight lean toward him coming back is probably a little stronger today than it was a month ago just because I think he's going to look at this season and say there's some unfinished business here and there's still room for him to grow uh, and become a better player. So I, those factors for me tilt the scale slightly toward him coming back. Yeah, I had a, a chance to talk to Dylan Mitchell the other day, and obviously he's leading the Pac-12 in receiving, so the natural question is, you know, what is he thinking in terms of the NFL? He's not a big guy like Nikhil Harry, but he's definitely productive, and Herbert loves him. And he said that, you know, him and Herbert and, and Troy Dye are all really tight. They're all from the same green glass, and they'll probably talk about it together and make a decision kind of hand in hand and I think uh, Justin will come back um, obviously the Giants and the Broncos would love for him to enter the draft because they're desperate for a quarterback but I think if he calls Marcus Mariota and gets some advice Mariota is going to say if you're ready to lead a group of 28 year old guys and 30 year old guys with families who are depending on you for your livelihood for their livelihood yeah. come on out you've got the tools if you're not mature enough and you want to enjoy college one more year you know, the NFL is going to be there again. So I think he'll come back, but it's definitely hard to turn that down if it's there. Um, so we'll see what happens. There's uh, three games left for Herbert at Oregon for sure. They're going to a bowl game. What bowl game are they going to? Are they going to win these last two and be eight and four? Are they going to lose this game? Are they going to lose the Civil War? Are they going to be back in Las Vegas or the Cheez It Bowl? Well, so I guess I'm already on record as picking Arizona State this week. Uh, so if they're seven and five, Willie Taggart was seven and five. Yeah, that, that uh, was Las Vegas Bowl. He was going to meet us down in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how'd he get out of that? The rest of us had to go. Um, you don't want Las Vegas this year if David Yost's fighting Utah no, State Aggies are there. Yeah, Oregon wants no part of that. I. And I would have, I'm not sure Vegas wants any part of the Ducks again either. It has, Oregon has not exactly shown up for the Vegas Bowl the last couple times they've been there. So, you know, the Pac-12 is the standings are such a muddled mess right now. It's hard to even say. And it, you know, there's probably going to be at least one Pac-12 team that gets shipped out somewhere because you know they're going to have all these teams with seven or eight wins, and there's probably not enough mid-tier bowl games <laughs> available yeah. for all of them but yeah it's looking right now that you know vegas cheese it bowl I, they may even be i'm not even sure they can get back up to the red box bowl which that's a sad commentary on things all right well let's uh get through arizona state first and then we'll we'll dive into the civil war next week thanks so much for tuning in everybody and uh make sure you go to ducksports.com this weekend for all your coverage of oregon arizona state 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Duck Pod. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you.